Um, firstly, um, I just want to um, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his mercy. Thank the Lord for just his, um, his grace. Thank the Lord for his, for his love. Um, it truly is a, um, it's a privilege to be standing before family, but also to um, standing before the body of Christ. Um, so thank you. And yes, yeah, secondly, I just want to thank you again for coming tonight. Um, but especially to a group of people that I do life with on Tuesday for discipleship. So discipleship here, 6.30 every Tuesday, um, if you want to inquire. <laughs> See my um, awesome sister in Christ and leader, Kristen Rowe, if you have any questions. So... <laughs> um, I I am so excited, but I'm also incredibly nervous. Um, but my confidence is in him that he's got this. He's and he's got the panel as well too on tonight. Um, because um, while preparing for this, um, I imagined myself coming up here and saying, "Here." And obey, and then I would sit down, and that was it. <laughs> but um, no, though it, it, I won't be doing that. This a bit more, but um, because um, I was just sharing, Greg, I had just finished reading Exodus, and um, and the part where Moses asked, you know, uh, asked God what his name was, what his name was that he would tell the people, and um, God replied, you know, I am who I am. I am sent me. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. Blah. Sorry, not blah. But <laughs> sorry, Lord. But um, this is where I got into trouble because I got a bit cheeky and I was like, oh, yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And then within a day, Greg rings and he goes, hey, you wanna you wanna share for the singles night? And that's when. It was an extremely long pause from me and a long laughing from him. <laughs> so the moral of the story is don't be cheeky to the Lord. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, though, to top it off, though, um, so while preparing for it as well, too, he led me, to, he highlighted I am again, and then he led me to Ezekiel. And I thought to my, and this is when I really started to sweat because I thought, Ezekiel, you want me to speak for half an hour at the singles night regarding Ezekiel? But I was, yeah, so you're going to thank the Lord. I'm not speaking on Ezekiel tonight. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but before we, um, just to start off our night, God just, um, He, Showed, he asked me to read our purpose, our family purpose at the rock. So um, if you just bear with me while I read this to you. The rock family is dedicated to loving God, loving people and allowing his kingdom to be built through us. In this exciting time, God has revealed to us a vision for, for a faith community that is destined that he has destined us to become. This vision has revealed his plans for us to focus our passions and resources into three simple, three, 
simple but significant priorities, knowing him, loving others, and walking together. These priorities have come to define who come to define who we are and and are expressed in everything we do in community. Under the heading of knowing him, knowing him is not about acquiring a head knowledge of God. It's about growing in intimacy and relationship with him. Obviously along the way you you learn more about him, but true knowledge is just it's not just information. It is also experience and that and that is what happens when the word and worship and we encounter in our in our services every Sunday. It is what happens in our transformational discipleship programs and in our prayer gathering. Under the heading of loving others, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. Mark twelve thirty to thirty one. We take that two-prong commandment very serious here at The Rock. Our commitment to love starts with our own family as we seek to serve one another and humbly put our needs needs of each other before our own. 1 John 3.6 It also drives us to look out beyond our own community to reach and serve those in the world around us, both here in Wellington and around the globe. God has called us to be his hands, his feet, his voice, and he is transforming lives all over the world through our partnership in Cambodia and various local outreaches. And walking together. God's plan for us has always been community, right from the Garden of Eden. It was never good when we were alone. The Rock community is a faith community of faith, united in love, in purpose and in the spirit of God, we are committed to walking this faith journey together, sharing both the trials and the triumphs that we find along the way, our discipleship groups are the intentional environment where we do life together and humbly encourage each other, disciple each other, support and challenge each other in love and in grace as we seek as we seek to help each other become the total follower of Jesus, he has called us all to be. Man, that's, that's, that's a pretty powerful, it's a pretty powerful, um, powerful and precise purpose. And when I say precise, and what I mean by precise is there is a foreknowledge and a foresight there in the Lord that He is always guiding us, but He's also always providing for us. And I was so, yeah, I was so encouraged, you know, when He said, read this out to my sons and daughters. Um, so, I have been asked to share a very short very short um, <laughs> account, very short account of my identity and him. Um, because, you know, because to you all, I am your sister in Christ, right? To you all, I am of Samoan heritage. To you all, I don't wear a jewellery that informs you I am not married. 
to you all, I am single. And with all these physical, natural, temporal identities, which informs you, but also instructs you, who does the Lord say I am? Who does the Lord say you are? Because in Him, I am not single. I am not separated from Him. I am not apart from Him. I am not isolated from Him. And what I meant by this is, my spirit, my soul, my body is not separated from Him. My spirit, my soul, my body is not isolated from him. My spirit, my soul, my body is not apart from him. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful to the Lord for this revelation. Because it truly, it has truly changed my sight. It's truly changed. It's changed how I viewed myself. It's changed how I viewed my relationships, but it's also changed the way I viewed him as well. So, yeah, his love didn't just save me 11 years ago. His love also healed this broken spirit, this broken body, this broken soul. So, man, and it it, and then it led me back, and it he led me back to him then to restore me so that's what I mean I am so so grateful Um, the revelation of his love too radically it radically changed me and um, it's something that I won't stop I won't stop seeking it and I won't stop pursuing it Um, till the day I stand before him to be honest Earlier this year, you heard me share my testimony, and I was just thinking about when I received his love, I remember asking him, going, why didn't the love from, you all heard too, I was, I came from an awesome family, loving family, but I was, I asked him, why didn't the love of the people that I, that I love, but then also I know that love me, why didn't their love heal me? Why didn't their love, yeah, why didn't they love give me hope? Why didn't their love restore me? Because it was incredible when I received his love, I, it was I realized, oh my gosh, this is not of a a natural, temporal, um, physical love. This is of the spirit, and this is of Him, because I know what that love, you know, from other human beings look like. I I was what I didn't say during earlier this year. I was very spoiled as well too. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant by the abundantly loved. <laughs> I was loved from all four globes of the world, so I'm very grateful. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very diff- but yes, he, he it's amazing. Um, but also, too, this is the reason, and when I tasted this, I needed to know what is this, and because I knew how different it was in, you know, regarding, you know, your natural and physical, 
but I needed to know what is this love that is of the Spirit. And that's why I've surrendered and submitted my life to it because I just wanted more of it. I've laid my life down for it because I know, well, that is where the source of life is. It's from him. Um, But in that as well too, I find the Father sometimes... um, he referenced to my past, and he referenced to my past. Know this, I am a new creation in him, and my old life does not have a hold on me. But he referenced to my past to just show me, because obviously it's, um, he shows me what separation looks like in him. Not only in them, not only in the, um, in the spirit, but, uh, but also to in the, in the soul and in the body but in there as well too he shows it to me when I am separated in him there's it's also in my can be in my speech um, it can be in my thought process it can also be in my actions so this is and this is why I I encourage you all to seek him during this time as well too and even in discipleship whoever you walk with just ask those questions you know what is what is causing this separation you know um because when you're in it's this is why we do life together it's dangerous when you're by yourself as well too um but you know as christians we've got to be aware um we've got to be aware because when you're you know, when you're separated from as a believer, you actually don't look any different to a non-Christian, to be honest. But as sons and daughters, when you rebel against the Lord, when you rebel against the Lord, confusion sets in. And when you choose your flesh, death is near. And when you choose life and things outside of the Lord, your despair and sorrow will be your comforter. And please, if you're hearing those words sound harsh and you're feeling condemned come and see me so we can have a one on one um, or you know see Greg of the elders or your discipleship groups just yeah but I just want to encourage you because um, as I come to near the end um I just want to encourage you with Jesus because um, he did nothing without the Father. Um, this is from John 14.10. Do you believe that I am in the Father and, and that the Father is in me? The word I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing 
who is doing his work. But this is the statement where I thought, man, this is what an what a phenomenal promise. In John fourteen twenty three, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home in him. I'll just read this out again. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. And just to just to finish just to give you the last part of this to tie in regarding why he spoke to me about I am. Um we did this at Starship Group at the beginning of the year, and it's, it's an awesome exercise, but it's not it's more than an exercise. But um, we all wrote love letters to the Lord, and then we all read it out at Discipleship Group. And this was my one. When I came to the end of myself 11 years ago, and I cried from the depths, from the depths, of despair and sorrow and darkness and I screamed God if you're real show yourself and when I, and when my soul longed for the way the truth and the light you showed yourself how does one articulate or even use a limited verbal language to express a heart of gratitude it's your breath for why I live physically and spiritually. It's your abounding love for why I love. It's your revealed sight and vision of me that has humbled this prodigal daughter to her knees and has humbled my heart to bow before you but also stand before you with confidence to do the Father's will. You have loved me before the foundations of this physical and temporary world and even before you created humanity. Father, I'm in awe with you and your goodness and your love is overwhelming and brings me to tears because I know, I know there's nothing of self or flesh that I can offer you but only my spiritual offering which is a reflection of you. Father, I know I am the daughter of the kings of all kings and I know I am a delight to you because you have written it in your holy scriptures, shown it through your creation and spoken it to me through your Holy Spirit. I love laughing and joking with you and you are surprisingly quite funny. And I know I make you laugh with my moron and minty moments. (laughs) I am created for you. I am to praise and worship you. I am the hope of glory in Christ. I am the manifold wisdom of God. I am the fruit from the first fruits. I am the priest of the order of Melchizedek. I am from the Father. Thank you. What I wanted to do, I actually want us to ask questions of Cena, of what you've just heard. 
um, and we're going to record it, so I'm going to run around with a mic because there was some profound things just uttered there um, around how important identity is and how identity shapes everything else. So I'm sure there must be questions, even if it's just how is it impacted in ways that she hasn't shared. So who wants to start us off? Ask the question. Thank you. Um, uh, have you always felt like you were um, sort of like married to him? Like you were saying how you, you don't feel like you're alone and he's always with you. And Have you always felt like that in your walk with him or has it been like something you've had to come into? Oh, wow, good question. Um, I often wonder, due to such a radical conversion, there was just, I, he just took me out of darkness, came into the light. Um, yeah, it, there was never, yeah, I didn't ever find myself asking those questions. There, seeking him was the number one priority. The revelation of that love, I, I, it was a mustard seed but it made me just want more of it and that was my goal. Everything else was secondary. Mm. Um, so when, when you were born again, was that when uh, the revelation of your full identity in Christ became real to you and then it was a matter of just living in that identity or has it been a, a process of it being revealed over time? Yeah, or both. <laughs> it has been a process being revealed over time um, because don't forget, I had 29 years of worldly stuff to be knocked out of me. You know, um, I was fiercely independent. It's very cult culture cultural yeah the culture yeah uh, when you're coming from an independence the world celebrates independence and then he's talking about dependency and I'm like so it really it I I really struggled with those at the beginning so it's been a process he's had to cull a lot of my mindset and also too the renewing of the mind was a biggie as well too because don't forget Knowledge is power. Well, in the Lord, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it was, but yeah, be encouraged, guys, because it's it wasn't just overnight. Um, but there has been, for me, all the only thing I had to do was just surrender and submit. That was it. He didn't. I did, I had nothing else to give him, so I was like, okay, I'll go with this. <laughs> That's all he asked for, and. The beautiful work is phenomenal. Um, this is kind of uh, I don't know. I'm still trying to form my question in my head. Uh, do you? I mean, you're talking about identity in your journey. 
do you feel I think I've heard you sort of say it at Life Group but do do you feel like the church in general lacks some of that identity in him and then out of that comes this kind of weird stuff Greg knows what I'm talking about yes Well, I'll, I'll turn it this way. And what I heard Cena say, so what I heard Cena say, she had an encounter with love, and love has been her pursuit. That's been the number one pursuit. When love isn't your number one pursuit, you go chasing other things and weird stuff. You start to lay hold of because love defines your mindset, and so you're trying to grab hold of stuff as secondary. Well, it should be secondary, but you're making it number one. And when you don't get those things that you go after, that's when all weirdness and hurt and all those things. So what I heard was love is defining her identity and her priority, and these other things are secondary. And when that becomes your reality, he then defines all those other things, which means they don't become weird or wacky or you don't get hurt because you're in love. Um which is part of my question. So yes, I think we if you don't we don't know him and we don't know who we are, then we're always reaching for things to try and help shape who we are, but those things can never shape who we are and that's why we get hurt and you know, things don't work out the way we think they're going to work out because we're actually chasing the wrong thing. Kia ora. Kia ora. <laughs> When you found the love that surpasses all other loves, did you find that it changed your relationships with the ones you loved around you? You know, was there a difference? If their love wasn't enough, did you find God's love was enough to actually do things there, like putting things back? Great question. Yes, it did change, um, and it, his, it's his love that's in you, and like yeah, it, it, and whatever came my way, and I've endured quite a bit. Not even in loss as such, but even just just with work situations, the abuse, you know, and even with family members, um, it was so easy to love them because. It was the sight of the Lord on how He sees them. That's the heart one was operating from. It's like, man, this is how the Lord sees them, and it wasn't that hard to just demonstrate His love because of the sight of how He sees them. Yeah. Um, you gave a little list of three things, which all felt extremely profound. I can't remember what they were, but the last one was something about your sorrow comforting you, that list, whatever you said there. I feel like there was something really profound in that that you might want to elaborate on. What, like? The three things I gave was um, 
if you rebel against when you rebel against the Lord, confusion will set in. When you choose your flesh, death is near. When you look for life in all the things that is outside God, sorrow and despair will be your comforter. I know what that looks like, to be honest. I've lived it. I've reveled in it. I've slept with it. I've eaten it. I've crapped it out. So it's it's not. I, I am, and it's not reserved for me and my woes and what had happened to me personally as well. Too, you will go through some of the stuff as well. You will go through the same thing. Um, but if he is not the, if he has not. How do I say this? If he hasn't done this authentic work of building you, like it's been coming from up front for years, you know, um, you will go through these emotions. I guarantee it to you. I am no different from you. So, yeah, I, I speak from a revealed position and experience as well, too. Then that just to add to that, that's you know when we come to him, you hear these words. Now it's time to seek first my kingdom. The problem is you've built your own empire, and if you want your own empire to stand, then you will always be found in sorrow because there is no life in your empire, and so it's a control issue, and it's relinquishing your life unto His. So if we don't relinquish our lives unto Him fully, then that can be our fruit because it's the fruit of not relinquishing we're still trying and it's it's Laura's question so we're trying to find life and we're believing in stuff and it will just leave you empty and it's that reality when you when you realize that and you come to that end of place there's only one place to turn and it's him and so then you're not found there again because you've found him and why he says seek first and that's what it is. It's a seeking first. He has to become your number one priority. Not man, not woman, not a child, not getting married, not married, kids, holidays. He has to become your priority. There's no if buts. It's a full stop. Men. Come on, men. I got a question for you, um, and you've sort of alluded to it, but can you maybe go deeper on, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously how this love has shaped other priorities, other things. You know, it's like we we you know sometimes Jesus is enough can sound cheesy, but it's not. It's the truth, and. Christ and the knowledge of Christ can actually take away other desires to a measure where it's like, you know, he is your number one. He becomes the source of life and he literally does. And where you don't need relationships, meaning physical relationships, because he has become your all. Can you share more about that for you, of your journey of him being your source? Man, where does even... 
I suppose when you've um, seek other things and you have had not only just seek but you've invested so much in other things and there was no there was no life in it and you only do you know the funny thing you only realize this when you come to the Lord when you're in it you have no idea um, that you're living in this not only a lie but this dead life um, it's not until when you come to him or when he reveals himself into you that you realize that all of those there was those things were death so you're living for deathly things and they have no life as he is life he is resurrection life so it's really hard to try I can see I, I I'm finding it hard to kind of put words to it, but um, he is. It's, it's not. It's not. I am in him. I am in him. Does that make sense? It's not a dual thing. It's one position. It's not I am in him. It's I am in him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. How has it been with um, putting your spiritual family... I guess in in a sense it's like it's it doesn't mean that you love your physical family less, but in terms of priorities, prioritizing the body and spiritual family. And I know in in your culture and with your family, you know, family's huge, family's everything, right? So how has that been for you where sometimes you have to say no to your physical family to put your spiritual family first? Do you understand what I mean? Like it's you know his body, prioritizing his body and him, um, especially around with your family. Like, how has that been for you? Great question. He had to do a lot of work in me in this because Cassidy is right. Um, and then Samoan culture, family is it's the epitome. Um, what he asked me, he said, Sina, um, your Samoan heritage is not your identity. Your identity is of a woman of God first but foremost and your Samoan heritage is second. So he had to do, um, it was a massive renewal of the mind because I, you know, my physical family, I've seen them being there for me. They, they will move mountains. So I've, I've seen their, their loyalty. I've seen their, their, their kindness. I've seen their love. and so, yeah, it was a, it was a huge thing that he had to do. He had massive renewal of the mind, but also to the heart. Because I'll be honest with you, you know, how many Indians here that has got my back? But the thing is, though, it's God is good, and so, and this is. It's not a number one, number two thing, is it? It's my love for you all. I will, I've, 
I've laid my life down for you. I will be the first one to take a bullet for you if someone runs in. So my love for you isn't any different from my physical family. You found yourself in situations having to manage your physical family, their expectations that... Yep, massive. Um, A couple of years ago, due to uh, my father's side of family, um, I had to turn down things that was of my birthright. Um, And it caused quite a bit of disappointment, massive disappointment, because this is something I was born into, um, and it is my... It is a privilege as well, too, um, but... It's. It wasn't that hard because at the same token too, I went to the father, and I had to obey what he said regardless of this. And um, but yeah, it doesn't make it any easier when I see them. <laughs> but that's okay because you know my love doesn't shift for them. However, they treat me regardless if they spit on me, it, it doesn't shift. But the other reason why this was, uh, my spiritual family was, sorry to use number one, or the priority was when the Lord showed me early on, when he, he showed me my, every letter of my last name among rubble and ruin, and he said to me, I will tear down everything that's not of me. And so, my family, my physical, in my physical family, the last name that I have is an idol. It it comes with a few perks as well too. So that's why there was a lot of yeah, a lot of disappointment. Hmm. One more question. Seeing as it's singles night, um, have you had like much of an actual journey around being single, or is it just kind of not come up because you feel like your identity is just sorted and you're not worried? Do you know what I mean? Like, has that been a, a thing oh. for you? No. <laughs> cool. I suppose because I said before, I, you know, when you're not apart from him, separate, you know, you, I just don't notice it. But everyone else does. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So, and yeah, yeah, I, I don't notice these things. Yeah. All right, let's have a couple of minute break. Um, need to go to the toilet, go to the toilet, grab a drink, grab a drink, and then we'll um, pick the panel up and we'll answer some of the questions um, that we've got. And also um, we'll take some questions from the floor, but just be aware some questions I might choose to go, no, we're going to leave that alone, and that's more of a one-on-one sort of a thing. Um, So just go with that if that happens. But we will try to answer as many as we can um, and see where we go. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. (laughs) So uh, we need to have a little bit of a disclaimer before we start. So (laughs) no one has all answers to everything outside of God. And... um, the challenge with some of this is that we, we tend to want right and wrongs and we want absolutes and it's very hard. I'm not sure if there are in the sense of um, some of the questions, there, there aren't 
this is this and this is this. You, you have to discover that in your own relationship with Christ because what is, uh, let's just say, what, what I consider to be one thing, you may not. Um, and it's great having these guys and such a variety of people up to share because um, I think as we go through some of the questions, you'll hear um, their own testimonies of what they put in place, what was healthy for them. But there are no laws, and we can't make laws. As soon as we make a law, we become God. And yet, you know, there are some things God speaks about that aren't in, well, the questions, they're not in his word, you won't find them. And so that's part of your own journey with him to discover, and yet there are some absolute definites. Um, so it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not If you've come here wanting absolute definite answers because you want a rule book on how far you can go without breaking a rule, that's not a healthy mindset. It's like I'd encourage you to run as far away from that as you can and run to him. Um, so... I hope that's okay, um, because <laughs> you know it is what it is. But I think I'm going to start with this question because it's 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 awesome and it and it affects us all because um, some of us are married and some of us aren't. And and I I'm quite excited about sharing some perspective as a married person with this question. So the question is to the panel, and uh, I might start with with you, Tess, if I can. What is slash was the best part about being single with Christ so yeah so what is the best part of being single with Christ being available because uh, there's no one else I had to please except my cat (laughs) okay and even she had to learn to be patient So, yes. Um, I I often think to myself, I was born to be single because it seemed so natural to me. And in fact, seeing this thing about God having a sense of humour is really right because I was hanging the clothes out on the line about halfway through my life and God said to me, well, my plan, you'll get married. And I thought, what? What? That's not in my plan. <laughs> and I think I learned from that that God has a plan for us. And it's his plans that matter. It doesn't matter about our plans. They don't mean anything. But he loves us. I grew into that knowledge that he loved me. And he loved me. And uh, I could trust him to have the best plans for me and the best for my life. And it has been. It has been. Yeah. What does, can you expand on what available is? Well, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was really caught into the... um, into the doing the good works thing so I was really able to put myself into visiting the sick yeah doing all those things and good as they are but there is an availability too there was an availability 
No one was going to yarn at me to get their breakfast when I wanted to spend time with the Lord. So, um, you know, um, yeah, I was able to be available to Jesus. I was able to be available to those people Jesus knew needed me. And, uh, and that's where life has to be. And, and the best thing is that Jesus isn't someone giving me orders, but Jesus gives me himself. And that's the best thing. When we say we have the Spirit, we say we have what made Jesus, Jesus. And he's building us up. And it's that, it's building us. He's building us. And if you make yourself open to the process, he'll do it in you. God is at work in you. God is at work in you to make you the person he wants you to be. And it's the best person, it's the best thing you'll ever be. It'll give you the most satisfaction. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now I'm going to ask you guys. <laughs> so, uh, and you can answer this, you know, any way as far as whether you don't see it as different, as well. Um, so, what is was the best part of being single uh, with him? Okay. Um, yeah, I think I didn't really see it as. Two separate things. It was. It wasn't. This was my single time with Jesus. This is my married time with you. It's. It's just a continuation of, of time with Him and building relationship with Him. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really di- differentiate the two. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have a similar answer. Really, um, it's just. A different environment, I guess, in knowing him, um, and it just looks a, a bit different. But um, yeah, Sina, do you want to anything at all? When I was single, um, when I didn't have a relationship, and when I was single, um, there was I was alone. There's a big difference. I really felt lonely, but when um, when I became a Christian, that I was not alone anymore. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think from my perspective, similar to these guys here, I mean, um, singleness isn't physical. Singleness is what he's asking of all of us. So he's calling us all out of every relationship you've been in and the world unto him. And that's what true singleness is. It's singleness of heart and mind towards him. And for me, one of the the benefits is that is God has freed me from everybody. So I'm free of my wife. I'm free of my children. I'm free of you. I'm free to live this life and be single-minded and a clear single eye. You know, it says if, if I'm double-minded or if I'm double-eyed, and my, if my vision's not clear, I'm going to be double-minded. Mm, yes. And so for me, it's 
the knowledge of God, the revelation of God has created an absolute pursuit of a relationship with him, which means I am single as a married physical person. Um, and I hope you can hear this is coming through. This is permeating that it's actually not about the physical. You know, if we're looking for the physical to find fulfillment, you will always be disappointed. We have to find it in the Christ, and the Christ then defines it all. But the freedom of being single on him is incredible. Um, because I know it, no one is my ultimate responsibility, it's they're his. So my wife is not my ultimate responsibility, she's his. My children are not my ultimate responsibility, so I don't hold them. I don't hold people tight. Um, and if you hear me say this, I don't. In, I've never entrusted my heart to people because, like Christ, I know what's in me, and I know what's in you. So I don't entrust. I trust you, but I don't entrust. And so, you know, that can be offensive as well because people want. People want to be the number one in your heart. You want to be the number one in someone else's heart. But actually it's set up for failure. And it's, it's actually lust is what it is. And what you end up doing is you end up sucking the life out of the person looking for life. And you never find it. So you go to the next and the next. And it's no different to what Cena was describing. You're looking for life in all the wrong places. And so you're never satisfied. And so for me, it's been singleness to Christ has freed me. It's beautiful. Alrighty. Could, could I just add yes, something to that? Because very early on in my walk, God said to me, at the center of the universe is a self-giving God. And that the very nature of God is self-giving. And that he is wanting to build in us. And it's like Greg says, when we're looking quite often, we start life out wanting to get. Let's be honest. We're really wanting to get things. We're living outside in. But he said, no, my kingdom is inside out. He said, I want my people to be a giving people. And he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, You'll be the servant of all. And if you want to be first in the kingdom of heaven, you'll be the slave of all. And what does a slave get? No hope of return. That's what a slave gets. Not even a word of thank you. And so God is asking us to have a completely giving heart so that we don't look to others to validate who we are validating who we are comes from Christ and his love and that gives us that, that, that the love of God which is poured into our hearts is meant to flood out from us to those around us and that can make good relationships because they're based on love yeah that's awesome. Um, this is a sort of a, a generalised sort of statement, but there is truth in it. Um, has the church, in a broad sense, in some way been responsible for making people feel inadequate for
for not being married by certain time frames, um, despite what Paul recognises in First Corinthians. I feel that there is a pressure sometimes within the church, not necessarily from the rock, so to speak, but the church in general, that if you're not married by a time frame, you have failed. Where is this pressure coming from? Uh, because it isn't just a personal experience of, of uh, one, but many. Have we as a body unconsciously idolised marriage without even realising it and why? Anybody want to tackle that? So, <laughs> have, has the church created something... Uh, has the church in, in some way been responsible for making people feel inadequate for not being married? So if they're not married, has the church made people feel inadequate? If, they're not, if they want to get married and they're not married in a certain time frame, so you know, well, gee, you're 30 and you're not married, you're over the hill, come on, get going. So has the church created a, a sense of this? So people hear that and feel a sense of, oh man, I'm not worthy, or something wrong with me. Um, and we're, we're like, like Tess, Tess always felt she was never going to get married, so how does, how does Tess fit into that, if that's a reality, do you know what I mean? Because her is different. So I've personally never felt that, but I'm not someone, it's almost like what you had said, because my heart's not entrusted, to you, I don't feel the pressure. Does that make sense? Um, there's been moments where brothers and sisters would try and set me up, but it was always, yeah, no. <laughs> Unless you're Jesus in flesh, yeah, but no. <laughs> but um, no, I've never felt that pressure because I, I suppose, because as he, I've been on this process where he's building my identity. I have not allowed you to tell me. Does that make sense? hear my heart when I say that? Yeah. Um, I listen to him. So, and I've, and yeah, I haven't really felt that pressure. Yeah, I think, um, is that loud enough? <laughs> Just in around the pressure thing, like there's, there's always going to be expectations and pressures from other people, regardless of whether it's about marriage or. Once you get married, it's when you're going to have kids. Like there's, there's always the next, the next thing, and it's just whether or not you allow that pressure in and allow that to define you, I suppose. And similar to you, seeing like I, I never really felt that when I was single. My mates would be like, "Oh, we need to find your wife, bro." And I was like, no, like, "That's, that's, that's fine, but that's not a." I didn't feel the. Oh, I need to get married. I have to get, have to find someone. It was, I'm content in him. So would. Would you guys say it's a people thing rather than a church thing? Is it an expectation generally in people, and obviously the church are people? Yeah. So, if, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's crazy because in the world it was an expectation there. I was just quite surprised though it was an expectation in, among people in the church. But I, yeah, I often wonder whether it's just even interpretation of scriptures and things like that as well, too. Um, I would say uh, the church, some have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this is personal for Danny and I as well, as far as, um, you know, certain teachings within a church that she went to. 
um, got in the way of our relationship in the early stages because of false teaching, false expectation. And so because it's in people, I think it naturally just flows out of us. And then we have these things called the scriptures, which sometimes unintentionally or intentionally for control purposes, people use it to control the church as well. And so, um, yes, I do believe that there has been, I haven't experienced it in my time here personally. So under Anthony, I never felt that was something that The Rock has promoted. Um, We obviously talk a lot about marriage, but it's from a covenantal with Christ perspective. Um, And so like everything we're doing, even like tonight really, is, is to help in the practical aspect. So like for the marriage stuff we teach, it's the practical aspect of being married. Having children, it's the practical aspect. So tonight it's like the practical aspect of what it is to be single because the content that we're giving every Sunday is the spiritual identity stuff of knowing him. And so it's this challenge, but because we are a person, those things can be misconstrued and interlinked and, you know, a lack of identity does influence the physical. And so it's very hard to separate them at times, but... Um, I guess my personal opinion is yes. Um, people are even pressured in churches I've heard to get married and to get married to people within the church. So, you know, like you must marry someone in the rock. And um, I know of leadership that has even put regulations around dating. And you can and you can't. And, you know, so yes, it goes on. Um, unfortunately alright this is for Luke and Kate (laughs) what are appropriate boundaries for guys and girls to set when dating in terms of physical intimacy why is this important in terms of his intentions for our body, soul, spirit. What are appropriate boundaries for guys and girls to set up when dating? So what what did you guys do? I'll let you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a similar thing. Like it's, it really is a personal thing. Like We can share what was right for us and what he spoke to us about, but um, ultimately it's taking it to him. Um, but one of the keys for us was that our heart was to honour him and each other in the in the process. Like we'd our past experience and relationship wasn't wasn't great and so this was a, a new way of doing things and everything just seemed to be brand new. Um but yeah, we can share some, some practical things that that he spoke to, to us about. So um, yeah, so we um felt very led from the beginning um to um, just as we first started to get to know each other to do that within a group environment um, and then as we got to know each other more then we felt like we could hang out one-on-one um, but we just made sure not to isolate ourselves um, and we stayed committed to discipleship group and attending um, church um, 
and also we walked really closely with three couples who um, we just shared a lot with and had lots of questions for and they shared with us. Um, one of the boundaries that we had um, was kissing um, and uh, early on we really felt like um, this was to protect ourselves, um, to respect and honour each other and also to keep him at the centre um, and we had an understanding of why he was asking us to put this boundary in place. Um, and so when there were mistakes that did happen, um, we were able to repent of these um, and then come back together and pray and um, just remember the why. And then we were able to walk away in freedom um, and we didn't have any shame or condemnation. Um, and I think often... Um, <laughs> Boundaries can uh, be like the flesh's goalpost, and we can, our flesh can do everything around that, and then once it achieves that, um, that boundary can get picked up and moved along to the next thing, um, and then you're on a really slippery slope. Um, yeah, so I would just say if you're putting boundaries in place, just ask him what that looks like and, and for the big picture behind it. Yeah, one one of the biggest things, like you said, was just walking with others really closely, yeah. like having people that we could just open up to and just sort of share what's going on for us and, and where we're at. Um, it really helped him. Did you find your past help shape those boundaries? Um, I guess in a way. I mean, a lot. Like I say, a lot of it was it was almost brand new, like to. To us, because the past was was not great for for both of us, like relationship wise, and so it was kind of like again discovering what does it look like to walk this out with in a godly way. Um, yeah, I don't know if that. And I I think also it's being true to yourself. So we all know ourselves, and we all know what's going to be too much for ourselves and it's going to take us to places that aren't healthy. And I think it's about being true to yourself and that's the key to this. You know, If, if you know kissing someone is going to take you from kissing to something else, then maybe that's why it might be healthy for you to not have that. But for someone else it's fine because you know it's not going to take you beyond somewhere where all of a sudden now you're, how did we get here, you know? Um, so I think a big part of it is being true to you and not hoodwinking you and listening to that voice that tells you stuff rather than telling it to be quiet. <laughs> Which I know I have done and got into trouble. Um, all right. Is it okay for a guy and a girl to live together pre-marriage if they intend to get married? What do you think, guys? Seen or test? No. <laughs> Why? Our father's quite orderly. There's a design. He has a. There's a purpose in the design of his ways. So. Um, and the only way I can try and explain this is it's marriage first and then that and 
and then other things fall after that. It's not all of those things beforehand, then marriage. But yeah, he's there's a design with how he the, there's a why to why he put with with those things. Yeah. Tess, what do you think? Yeah. L.P. Hartley opened her novel The Go Between with a beautiful sentence that said, "The past is another country; they do things differently there." And that's right. When I was younger, there was no question about it. You wouldn't go and live together before you got married. Absolutely not. Good heavens, everyone would be scandalised. Shocking. Just wasn't done. How did we get back there? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, you're on a slippery slope. You probably have every... In good intention of the world that you're going to get married at the end of this six months, one year, whenever it is. But you haven't made a commitment. You haven't got, because you've not got the covering of God over your marriage, you are without the help that you need. And so... You'd be better to do it, yeah. God's way. I see. Amen. <laughs> Any thoughts? Um, yeah, I think my personal opinion was um, no uh, for us, but it was part of that leading up to the wedding. It was such an excitement, like looking forward to, mm-hmm. to living together, and it would. It was just, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to miss out on that. Like the leading up to it, it was, it was a real excitement, and it was part of of the process and part of the, the journey. It was something to look forward to. And this is where you know, like, there is no rule in the sense of I'm probably going to flip on the other side of what some of the things have been said. That um, can you find it in the scripture? God says, "Don't live together before you get married." So, if we want to get technical. But it's not about being technical. And so often, you know, once again, this is one of these areas where it's not like, oh, a right or a wrong. It's what can be lost. And it's what, where it can take you, you know. Um, but, you know, like, here's a scenario. What if, what if a couple uh, lived in separate rooms and paid for a mortgage of a house that they're going to actually, they've bought, but they're not technically married but they're actually not because where do we go with this ultimately we go to sex don't we okay this is where let's be honest this is where we go what if they weren't having sex so it's not actually wrong but is it wise and does it lead to that place more than likely probably yes and this is where it comes back to knowing yourself and being in freedom and there's freedom to choose and sure God gives you freedom and your freedom you get in trouble but he gives you freedom and as soon as you try and put a law over this you now become God okay and so in all these things God tests so for me it's like it's not wise I personally wouldn't do it I would recommend people not to do it um, because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K and even just what I thought Luke said it was beautiful it's something I want to experience as part of a, this covenant with him together. 
you know. Um, so, whoever asked that, if you're here, I hope that helps. Um, all right, let's go to this one. We're just mixing some of the, let's say, inner realm with the outer realm. Please explain why single people are important and needed in the body. How do singles uniquely reflect part of the manifold wisdom of God? What value do they have in their singleness? Now, I'm going to ask probably Tess again, and sort of touched on this a little bit. Explain why single people are important and needed in the body. I think it's when when you look at God's purpose uh, in the beginning he made them male and female and his purpose is to bring them into union with him Married people have the responsibility of being an image of the relationship of Christ and his church. Single people have the responsibility of the singularity of devotion to God in a single life. Once you've said which is better, one or the other, you've asked the wrong question. There is, there is, one is not either better than the other. It's both and. And each has as much validity as the other. And so, whichever one God has planned for your life, and it could be either. I think there's a question there where someone says they'd like to, if you like to marry and have children, um, you know, even though it all seems lost, can you still keep hoping for it? Of course you can. I'm 76. If God should say to me, I know I've got a man, he's going to marry him, inconvenient, sure. <laughs> but still, still. It could happen. Okay, you don't close anything off. But as a single person, to live my life as a um, lover of Christ is what it's about for me. Yeah. Zena? What was the question again? Um, whether you could, I, well, there was three. I sort of realized three. Please explain why single people are important and needed in the body. How do singles uniquely reflect part of the manifold wisdom of God? What value do they have in their singleness? I'm going to... I sorry. What was the first part? <laughs> Why single people are important and needed in the body? Because I don't see myself as this single entity. Mm. Um, 
I don't see that I am needed or I need you. It's it's a it's this plural thing with him and me. It's like me and him and then me and you. It's not a like a one eye to yeah, I don't see myself as an individual that's coming in, you know, I am part of the yeah, I'm not an individual that's sort of just yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm butchering it. I probably sit in the same camp that I, I, everyone's important. Yeah. And so it's not a physical thing. Every single person is just as important as one another because that's what mm. makes up the body. Mm. Um, I think, uh, well, and what Tess was saying, there are certain challenges. So, uh, what value do they have in their singleness? Um, well, it's once again. I don't know if I see it as, uh, that it's different, but I, what um, there are certain challenges that maybe someone who's single doesn't have over someone that's married. So, in a funny way, you know, to said someone not yelling at her, saying, <laughs> "Make me some breakfast," yeah. you know. But if we go beyond that, there's there's it's one thing dealing with your own flesh. Then you add someone else's flesh to the party, and now it's a whole. Now you got double trouble, you know. And so, a value of being single physically is that you don't have anyone else's flesh to deal with. Um, and that's why people who get married who don't get their flesh dealt with get divorced, or they have a hell of a marriage because it's it's not based on the value of whether I'm married or single or not. It's based on what's going on within me. Um, and so everyone is needed um, and everyone is valued um, ultimately say from my perspective because I feel single so I don't set myself out I feel single unto Christ as a married man with children Um, and so yeah I, I my value is not in that my value is in my knowing of Christ. Um, it, it's yeah, it, it's I don't find value in being married or not, or being a dad or not. I find it in Christ, um, which I think sort of maybe answers it. It's been very, it's been made very clear that marriage reflects the intimacy and covenant relationship between Christ and the bride. But what does singleness reflect of God's nature, character, and intention? Um, it's been made very clear that marriage reflects the intimacy and covenant relationship between Christ and the bride. But what does singleness reflect of God's nature, character, and intention? Do we see them as separate or same, same? Yes, you got your mic ready to go. (laughs) I know that, you know, my destiny is to be one flesh with Christ, as it is with everyone. Um, Yeah. 
um, singleness can leave me available to give to be of um, to love those who are married because um, I will say one thing with singleness you don't you don't have to put the growth opportunities in singleness are often not as great as you get in marriage. Certainly parenthood, I certainly think, gives you growth opportunities that singleness does not give you. Um, yeah, which is sad in some ways. Um, but, yeah, I think in Christ we're so complete that I just don't even think about it, really. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as Cena says, I don't think about being single because I am married. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a wording thing, but for me, yeah. um, marriage reflects the intimacy and covenant. For me, marriage, I'm not isn't so much reflects, but for me, marriage is the environment that creates intimacy and a covenant. So it's 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 not the marriage itself that does, because you can get to be married and there's no intimacy, zero intimacy between individual and Christ, and no intimacy going this way. So the I, I tend to see every environment He gives us as an opportunity for spiritual oneness. So my relationship with Him is the first place and the most important place where spiritual oneness is created my marriage if I get married is the second place but it's not ahead of the first place so the first place is the most important because if I'm not in that I can't be in that to the measure he wants me my children and my wife become the third environment for the purpose of spiritual oneness which is my transformation of me so the entire purpose of every environment is intimacy with the Lord becoming one with him my discipleship group of three men 12 men I'm in a few um, and here the purpose is oneness of spirit so every environment reflects the intimacy and relationship with Christ that I have and every purpose of it is the same, even with the world. It creates this intimacy. Well, it creates me to get on my knees and believe and pray, you know, because each person in that environment or those environments, God says, love them like I love them. And so, um, yeah, I, I tend to see that probably slightly differently. Um, Yeah, I might be a bit weird, I don't know. I feel single and married all at the same time, it's awesome. It's the best of both worlds. Um. To add on that as well, um, God, it was awesome how, to me to even understand this, this, the singleness thing as well too, it was due to the fact of when he showed me his plan regarding marriage his design of marriage so when the lord showed me about that 
that almost helped me understand this as well too, being single and him. So yeah, that's why I'm like same, same. Um, <clears throat> so talking about marriage and physical marriage and spiritual marriage, what is the spiritual consequence of pursuing marriage or marrying someone, obviously physically, without first knowing the father's greater purpose behind marriage? What is the spiritual consequence of pursuing marriage or marrying someone in the physical without first knowing the father's greater purpose behind marriage? Anyone have a punt before I have a punt? (laughs) I think, obviously, um, I think knowing and carrying a revelation of God's intent for a physical covenant sets you off on a blaze with your marriage because it's covenant for a start. A covenant isn't broken and God makes a covenant with us and he never breaks it. So you're entering into a covenant relationship that's never to be broken. And so if that's a mindset that is in your heart and your mind when you start because you understand the greater purpose of the marriage covenant between Christ and the church, then there are certain things you never entertain in your marriage. You work things through when your flesh is going, I don't want to work it through. I want to be right. Well, that's not going to get you where you need to get to so if we understand the purpose of our physical marriage um, man what will that marriage look like okay Um, what happens if one person has it and one person doesn't is that going to be an issue could be depends on the other person and are they willing to grow and learn and change Um, and so you need to ask those questions is there a is this person interested in knowing more about the Father and his intent and purpose for why he's created this physical union between a man and a woman? Um, that's a decision that each person needs to make on their own, their own, whatever the words I'm looking for, your choice. Because you possibly will reap the consequences of that choice if they say to you, oh yeah, one day I'll be interested, and they never do. Which is no different to marrying someone who, you know, people talk about being unequally yoked. Yes, Christians can be unequally yoked. Just because you believe in him doesn't mean you believe in him. Um, and, you know, so, you know, these are the conversations I had with, with, with Danny, wasn't it? Um, right at the start, I said, you're not marrying a guy who's going to provide a house and a picket fence and a holidays and cars and incomes. You're marrying someone who's crazy in love with God who can't guarantee you those things but what I'll guarantee you is I'll be full on for him and I'm going to do my best to follow him do you still want to get married Um, and so she decided yes (laughs) obviously (laughs) Um, but and you've you've heard our our testimony that yes was going to be tested and still is being tested because of what that all means and the magnitude of what God's calling us to as an individual firstly and as a couple you know but it, it only gets materialized as we change as individuals so it takes two to tango if one changes and the other doesn't 
then you will never have what you could have in God because the other person is part of the process. You will have incredible intimacy with the Father and that will enable you to love this other person that's not interested in the Father or interested in what you want or wants a Christianity that's comfortable but you'll never experience what you could experience if that other person was just as on fire as you are. So I think it comes down to, and if no one has a revelation of it, then you know, you're, you're, you're starting from an equal footing. But I do think it's really important if you're on fire to marry someone on fire, which means you either wait and pray like mad that the person you love comes on fire, because I think you know it's we're choosing him, um, and and I, you know it's what Cena was saying. It's like when when you are so on fire for him, you're free that you actually don't need someone else. So sometimes we we um, we take second best. Yeah. We choose second best because we think that's all we're going to get, and we don't trust him enough to change a heart or for him to bring someone else. So we. Uh, we, we choose second option, third option, fourth option because we want to be loved. And he's going, but I love you. But we don't necessarily know that love. Um, so, yes, there are consequences. It depends on each person's heart. depends on the willingness to change and grow. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's just the, the dynamics of all those things. Um, I wish I had known the purpose of the marriage covenant before I entered into it. May not have got married. And I'm sure Danielle says the same thing. You know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. And God hoodwinks you. You know, so it's this reality that it's a marriage unto Christ. And so it's not a marriage unto Danielle, it's a marriage unto Christ. And that has to be primary in my heart and my mind. And that enables me to be and love her the way he has commanded me to love her. Am I getting that perfect? No. Am I on a journey of that? Yes. And it just outworks from there. So she's the first person. My children are the second. You guys, the world, everyone's in that process. So I hope that helps. Definitely talk about it together. Ask the questions, pray together. Um, I think that's essential. Also, for a married couple, is discipling one another. Um, you know, so often we're too busy worrying about discipling everyone else, and not the people that are actually sleeping right there or in a room over there. So, okay. Um, let's have another juice. Oh, here we go. <laughs> What should singles do about sexual desire? <coughs> oh. <coughs> <laughs> uh, who would you like to answer that one? <laughs> Luke. <laughs> um, what a question. What a question. Um, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> <laughs> Um, make sure you're walking closely with people that can, you can let in on your, your journey and what's going on for you. Um, and just for support and encouragement. Um, yeah. And pray. <laughs> can I say something? <laughs> They're not here. <laughs> okay. 
just remember God invented sex and just don't forget to thank him for it. (laughs) No, I'm serious, you know. So often we forget to thank God for the things he's given us, okay? God doesn't look at us as evil. He invented it. But the enemy has turned it around and he's given us all sorts of lies around it. But God would have us, I believe, thank him for it and say, but Father, it's under your, it's under your authority. Okay? So you are an authority over sex in my life. I put it under your foot and I ask you to have authority over it. And... Um, He's at work, and and I will give testimony. He's done amazing things, amazing things. Yeah, yeah. Because he loves you, because he's working in you. Um, Yeah, get your own testimony about it all. But don't forget to thank him. And and don't, don't let guilt get into you, because it's not guilt he wants, it's gratitude for what Jesus has done on the cross. Because Jesus has done it all. He's done it. He's overcome it. Yeah. I think also, I mean, talk to him about it. So bring him into it. And um, he knows anyway. Um, And he's created us all different. Some of us have stronger sexual desires than others. Some of us have strong sexual urges than others. And so for some of us, it's a greater temptation than for others. Not a problem for me. And there are other people like, oh, man, this is a real issue. Um, And once again, I I don't think there is a real simple answer to this. Um, I think you have to talk to him about it. Um, I think what said was fantastic and bringing it under his authority to help you so I think part of talking in the heart cry it's no different to if you don't have a desire to meditate on his word um, you know you have to ask for help and so I think part of it is asking him to help you in this area um, he can also take it away for a period of time so I, if, if it's that big an issue maybe ask him to take it away um, be careful what you look at be careful what you read. Um, guard your heart and your eyes. The eyes are a window to your soul. Sometimes this is more for us guys because you know it's it's everywhere, isn't it? You know, um, general terms. I guess you might say guys have maybe got more of a sex drive than women generally, but um, not necessarily in all cases. Um, so I think there are some practical things um, that you can do. Make yourself accountable. Um, but ultimately, uh, yeah, I think it's between you and him as to how he's going to help. And I think shame is a big one. Is that there's no shame involved in it? Um, you know, some people talk: is masturbation okay? Once again, that's a very personalised thing. For some person, masturbation might be ugh, gross. For someone else, it's fine. But then, once again, where does that lead you to? Um, is it is it something that becomes an addictive behavioural thing now? You know, so there are things that you know the Bible's unclear on. Um, but if it's you know, there, it's, it's really between you and him and working that through. 
and being comfortable in that and not looking at someone else and judging it based on what they're doing because what's right for one may not be right for you and it may lead you into dark places so it's a tricky one but I hope that helps of you know you're struggling with some of that but um, I think focus is big I think if you keep asking him to open your eyes to what's in the unseen and the greater why and the purpose why you were created so the focus goes off the physical and onto the spiritual and I guess that's what we're really saying tonight as a whole is that a whole lot of other things can fade into the background because it's not a priority anymore someone else has become a greater priority for you and so with that the desire's taken away until you find yourself in a situation or not you know um is online dating taking things out of God's hand? What do you do? Swipe or something? I don't know. <laughs> is online dating taking things out of God's hands? The panel. You mate, you've got some go. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's important that it's a conversation that you have with him. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's right or wrong in and of itself, but the the heart motive behind it can be quite a big thing. Um, you know, when I encountered him, I made such a, a mess of past relationships and um, and left like a trail of destruction behind me because I was looking for something in a person that couldn't be found. I was looking for him. Um, so after I met met him, I didn't didn't want want to know about another relationship unless it was was from him. Um, I still desired to get married. Like, I think it's important to say that it's not wrong to, to no, want to get married, no, but I no longer needed to get married. It was that was the game changer. Um, that kind of yeah. I don't have an issue with it. I personally wouldn't go online dating. I've got too many family members. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a hiding still at this age in my forties. I'll still get a hiding. Um, but but. The thing is, so just uh, advice is these environments are very controlled areas. So you know that the people are putting things on that they want you to see. My advice is, is see what they're like in an uncontrolled environment. In other words, with other people, um, in regards of you know when you meet them. So yeah, just be wise and be safe with it. Yeah. Ditto, Cena. Ditto, yes, ditto. ditto. I thought you meant all your family were on online dating. <laughs> Go out with your cousin, that'd be weird. No, 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 no. Um, I'll just touch on, on this and sort of touch on it a little bit about Christian and Christian, but the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. Can you explain this and why it's important, especially in terms of a non believer and a believer? Um, so it's very clear. The Bible says, why do you take the things of Baal? the demonic and mix them with the things of God so that's what you do when you entertain that okay so you can never once again this comes back to understanding the purpose of the marriage covenant when you understand God's purpose for his marriage covenant which is spiritual oneness how can you ever have spiritual oneness with a non-believer okay so it's it's he's trying to say why are you taking this and mixing it with this it doesn't work and it's not going to go well for you and it's also 
not leading you to the place of my intent of why I created this. And this is where it gets hard because, you know, sometimes we've already fallen in love or our emotions are involved and it's because we don't know his word and we don't know his instructions. We haven't sought first his kingdom. We want what we want. Now we're in trouble and now we've got to work backwards. And so it's basically you'll never get God's purpose for you while being with a non-Christian. People say, but I married a non-Christian and God got them saved. That's awesome. And God is always working to help us, but it's not his first place. Because he's trying to save us because that might not happen. Okay, so it's like a bit like Russian roulette. It's like, well, prove yourself, God. He says, no, no, follow my instruction because it's best for you. Now, once again, yes, there are examples, and you go, but what about this, and what about that, and what about this in the Word? And you know, and, and you got that guy to marry a prostitute, and you go, yeah, well, have you heard that directly from the Lord? Have you had a rhema word that tells you this? Uh, no, no, so don't go there. So, you know, sure, there is 1% room for an absolute rhema word from heaven, that you would need to know that you know that you know that you know that you know because everyone's going to give you grief in the church that you stand on and you live from and if it is, it will come to pass. So that's the type of conviction you'll need and so God gives you guidelines but ultimately it's because the intent of his heart for what it is. These things don't miss. It's not yin and yang. So it's oneness of spirit. And the, the Christian Christian thing, once again, is... Is, and the person says this here, um, and someone who calls himself a Christian but isn't really on a journey to know him. Once again, it's about what, what, what's his intent for you is the same intent he has for the person, and is that person aware of that, and do you want the same things? So if one person feels, you know, I'm, I'm called to, I don't know, live in the slums, and the other person's like, yeah, I don't have that calling. <laughs> I'm called to live in the apartments. <laughs> then you're gonna, that's going to be issues. Marriage is hard enough when you're one. Marriage is hard enough when you're actually on the same page. Never mind adding some of these dynamics to it where actually, you know, there's a whole... Now, in saying that, God works through all these things, which is awesome. So, um, you know, he's always doing things in us if we'll allow it but at the same time he gives us his clear instructions to follow so we don't get ourselves in bondage um, probably got time for about one or two more questions um, I think this is good if you have come out of the world and have had previous sexual relationships how is your body soul and spirit restored in Christ if you've come out of the world and you've had previous sexual relationships, how is your body, soul, spirit restored in Christ? Um, <clears throat> yeah, this was a, a big one for me. Um, coming out of a very worldly lifestyle, should we say, at the age of 25, um, after encountering God, I became really aware, and I believe he opened my eyes to, to my past and what I had open myself up to and what, what I had allowed um, and he showed me this not to shame me or embarrass me but it just made it all the more powerful when he showed me that I was a new creation and that he had made all things new um, he spoke 
really um, clearly to me on this, and he said, I have cleared the pollution of your past with the breath of my spirit. And it was, it was like a fog had lifted, and it was a new day. Um, and th- I have cleared the pollution of your past with the breath of my spirit. Um, and that was, that was the gospel that I had received, was that although my sins were like scarlet, I had been made white as snow. Um, so it was, it was really powerful. And he really used that, like, the mess from my past to highlight his love and the power of his love to transform. Um, yeah. um, for me, I believe that restoration um, occurs when we become one with Christ and we receive a brand new identity. And for me, that looked like um, early on in Luke and I's relationship, we actually ended up breaking up. Um, and I was very broken over this. Um, and he did a lot of amazing work in that space um, for me. And he fully demonstrated um, who I heard he was. Um, and as he revealed himself to me, um, my mind was renewed. And I just like suddenly awoke to how restored and how righteous I was before him. Um, and I think quite often we can try and bring like past issues and past experiences into life with Christ, even though we are made new. Um, and yeah, it would just be a shame not to live in the life of righteousness and freedom that he actually died and resur- was resurrected for. Um, and now when I look back into um, that time before that brokenness that occurred, it's really foggy and it feels like old and it feels like it was a diff- completely different person to who I am today. I agree with both of you. <laughs> Once again, I, these are the challenges we face of believing what he says. So he says it is. So it's 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 not from God's perspective you're not, it's from your perspective we're not. And it's believing in what he says we are through revelation and, and it's like it's like anything. It's like actually coming into the revelation of actually you are because you are, because he says you are. And so rather than going, No, I'm not because I feel I feel like well, it's irrelevant what you feel like. Your feelings are real, but he tells you you are, so you are, so you're washed clean. And so it's seeking him for the revelation of what he says. So believing, being fully convinced of what he says is, so what he says becomes your reality, and you realize, I am. Cool. Um, there's, there's two, can we have two more? There's, there's a couple of questions on here which I think are really quite good. We sort of answered them, but one of them. Um, it's about covering... Um, yeah, where'd it go? Can you explain covering? What does this mean and what is his intention? A wife has a husband to cover her, so how are singles covered? I'm covered by him first but foremost, and then the physical aspect, then in this house I'm covered by Greg and the eldership, and then the others. Um, in my family, my physical family, I've covered by every male relative that I have. But that's a cultural thing as well, too. Um, yeah, I completely agree with Sina that we're all covered by Christ regardless of physical relationship. Um, 
But I think it's important to recognise coverings in other areas as well. Like one of the ways that he's really been teaching me about this is in the workplace and how my boss is a covering over me within the company. You know, I have like a measure of responsibility in the company, but ultimately he the, the buck stops with him. Like I, I can go to him with um, for advice if I've got any questions. Um, and just realising that I'm representing the company in everything I do and it's a reflection on him as the head of the company and, and as a covering over me for my own growth and safety. Um, but again, also within the body, um, Greg and the eldership are covering over me, um, discipleship group leaders, and whoever it may be, I just encourage us to ask him to show us who he's put in our lives as a covering over us for our growth. And you need to allow that covering because it comes with certain conditions. So, um, you know, we, we say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool, but no, no, covering means coming under someone else's authority. And so it's like ultimately, and, and once again, we're back to, it is based on the revelation of God you have. So the more revelation you have, the more you'll realize how much you're being covered by God and how much he tangibly is your husband, how much he is the very thing that he may not be right now because of the revelation. So the more revelation you get, you'll understand, which then empowers you to be under people. So if you're not under God, covered by God, you'll struggle to actually come under people. So that's the challenge because we can say, you can say I'm your X, Y, and Z, and you can say the elders are your leaders, but actually you'll be tested. Have you actually given that authority because you have to give permission for us to be your covering otherwise we're not you know and neither is anybody so I have to give Luke permission for him to actually be my covering and not balk when he is my covering so if he comes and says hey you know you said I'm your covering well I'm seeing some things in your life that don't quite align who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. Hold on, you gave me permission to be your covering. So I'm here to help you. So this is a massive thing in the body. Um, but ultimately, it's Christ again. And then, as I say, if you're, let's say, because it's, you know, it says, what about a husband and a wife? Once again, you can be married and not be under covering. Okay, so just because you're married, it doesn't mean anything. Um, or you can be, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and then, as you say, it's in the body of Christ. So God, your covering is the eldership. But that's, you know, is it? That's what you have to ask yourself. Um, all right, last question, which is really good. What advice do you have for someone who is uncomfortable because of repeated unwanted attention from a male or female within the church? What process should they go through in terms of who to talk to about this? So first is, what advice do you have for someone who is uncomfortable because of repeated unwanted attention from a male or female within the church? Did you not want his attention when he was... (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) Um, I think that if you feel that you can approach that person that it, that would be a good thing um, if it's done out of a place of like respect and love 
Um, and uh, if you don't feel comfortable approaching them about it, then definitely involve others. Um, and that could be eldership or disciple group or whoever that you're walking really closely with. Um, but yeah, just make sure that it's done in a respectful way. Because it might not even be the person's in- intent, right? And then you could really embarrass that person. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Matthew eighteen is the is the process, you know, and that can be like once if there's an offence or someone's doing something. So, um, always if you feel comfortable, go to the person as Kate's saying, share with them, ask questions first to determine whether this is or not, and whether you're reading the signals right. Um, <laughs> you big head, no, I don't fancy. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> wrong again. <laughs> um, and then, if, if it is, and so you share with the person, you know, that I'm not feel I'm not comfortable with this. If that continues, and there's a constant, then it would be bring someone else. Yeah. So it's like share with someone else, and now can we both go have the conversation? If it's still going on, then come and see us. And we've had this, we've dealt with this here as well, and that finally, after that approach, stopped. Um, so no one should be putting up with this here at all, and so don't don't just take it. Just communicate, um, you know. And if, as I say, if you don't feel comfortable going one on one to the person, then you know, just like it doesn't work, you bring a support person with you. Um, but don't let it linger. Okay, that's it. I think there might be a couple we didn't get, and we've probably run out of time. But if um, if there are questions you wanted to ask, feel free to email them and. Well, as we continue, as we do more of these, they can just formulate um, the content of what we look at as we go forward. But I hope it's been helpful. Um, some of the questions were, well, all the questions were awesome. Some of them were a little bit tricky. <laughs> but um, it's all part of our own stretching as well, you know. So thank you for those. So, um, Any last things anyone wants to say? Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>